Welcome to Pillar and Ground Podcast. I'm Brian Salter, lead pastor at LMPC, and this episode is a Pillar and Ground Confession episode where we seek to further understand and apply the truths in our Westminster Confession of Faith. And as you now hopefully are used to, uh, we are doing this together. Will Nettleton, pastor of Mission and Worship. Welcome, Will. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're enjoying doing this in a conversational style, looking at the Confession of Faith. Hope you're enjoying that as well as you listen. Uh, We've been in chapter 10, and today we go to chapter 10.4 on the non-elect. Will, just help us recap where we've been. 10.3 was those dying in infancy, elect dying in infancy. Uh, This chapter is really about regeneration, right? Right. Yeah, so we've been, we've turned the corner in the confession towards uh, what theologians call soteriology, so mm-hmm. the the doctrine of salvation. So we, you remember a couple of chapters back, we started talking about Jesus, and then out of that, they move naturally into the logic of uh, the application of redemption. What, mm-hmm. is, what does redemption look like? How, how are we saved? What are the elements of salvation? All of that. And so chapter 10 on effectual calling really is about... We talked earlier about, okay, so our will has been affected by the fall. We're no longer able to freely uh, choose the good, not because of anything outside of us, but because of an internal change that's happened because of sin. Uh, So that raises a problem. How are we going to be saved? And effectual calling, this chapter has been reminding us that God saves his people. He calls his people to himself His mm-hmm. by his spirit. Uh, he does a work in us that draws us to himself so that we are now, he gives us a, he removes a heart of stone, gives us a heart of flesh, and we are able to freely uh, choose him. But what this chapter has been reminding us is not everyone does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, we actually don't believe that uh, we're not universalists. Not all will be saved. We believe the Bible teaches clearly that uh, on the last day, at the day of judgment, there are going to be those who go uh, into God's blessed presence and those who are cast out. And um, so how do we, how does, how do people get into those two different camps is really mm-hmm. uh, what some of this is about. And different theological camps will say different things about that, that yep. it's all about your personal choice. The Reformed position is that God has his people. He yes. has his elect that he has saved and he's drawing them to himself and they are believing. And so uh, this particular paragraph of this chapter of the confession is about those uh, whom God chooses to pass by. That's the language mm-hmm. the confession used earlier, those who are not chosen. Um, it's important to make that distinction of this is we the metaphor that I often use is we think of everyone's in a middle line and God says to some people, okay, you go to heaven, you go to hell, you go to heaven, you go to hell. In reality, because of our sin, because of our choices, we are all in the hell line. We have all freely chosen judgment. Uh, we have all freely run away from our God. And graciously, God is pulling some out of the fire. Uh, and he's choosing in the mystery of his divine will to pass others by. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what this what 10.4 is about. So it's a sober paragraph. Uh, it's a challenging paragraph. And yet, in some other ways, I think it's also... Uh, also encouraging and also helps us make sense of some of the things we see yeah. um, both in the church and outside of the church. That's helpful, Will. Um, do you want to read it for us yeah. as we get going? So this is <clears throat> uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 10, Paragraph 4, and this is the uh, the modern translation which we've been pulling from uh, Chad Van Dixhorn's book, his excellent work uh, on the confession. 
Although other persons who are not elected may be called by the ministry of the word and may experience some common operations of the spirit, yet they never really come to Christ and therefore cannot be saved. Much less can men not professing to be Christians be saved in any other way, no matter how carefully they may order their lives by the light of nature and by the laws of whatever religion they profess. Mm. To assert and maintain that they may be saved in some other way is very pernicious and is to be detested. All right. Well, um, in comparison to the previous paragraphs, we've already talked a little bit, but kind of the new angle this paragraph takes is is helping us understand the non-elect. Kind of yep. talk a little bit about that. Yeah, they're, they're, um, both, there's a twofold distinction that happens in paragraph four here between some, the first part is actually about those who are not saved but appear to be. Uh, yeah. Which is a real thing that we see. I mean, we, you think about the people that you know who for many, many years were walking with Jesus, and uh, or at least appeared to be. They joined the church. They were baptized. You know, they were um, had meaningful participation in the body of believers. Um, they seemed to be growing in grace. And then at some point, for various reasons, uh, they chose to walk away. Mm-hmm. And how do we make sense of that? How do we make sense of the reality that there are people who look like Christians, who uh, act like Christians, who if you had to say, have you had to render judgment today, you would say, yeah, that's a Christian. Mm-hmm. And yet, in the end, the Bible tells us and, and our experience tells us that there are people who it will turn out they were never, they weren't mm-hmm. Christians. Um, how do we account for that? Is it? And so there's you know theological questions here. Can you be saved and then lose your salvation? Is that what happens? Do you, are these people falling from grace? Um, our tradition, the Reformed tradition, has actually said no. Actually, there's a doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. Once you're saved, you are saved. Mm-hmm. Once saved, always saved. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a great um, overlap that we have with our Baptist brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Of you, mm-hmm. Once you're in, you are in. Um, but it's completely possible to appear like you were in, to mm-hmm. think that you were in, and to not be in. Uh, and so that's where the that's the different angle uh, I think that it starts with. And then the second part is just about what about those people of other religions, other faiths, other walks of life who mm-hmm. we would we would say, man, they you know they're good neighbors, they're good people. Mm. Are they really going to spend eternity apart from God and His blessed people? Like they seem pretty good. What what's what about mm-hmm. those people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can um, certainly have a profession of faith without possession of faith. It's a great way to phrase it. Yeah, um, and I think particularly in our context, there's a lot of people that rely on their profession, which is actually making their profession meritorious. Mm. Um, we are not saved by our professional faith. Mm. We're saved by Christ alone right. through faith alone. We're not saved by our faith. Yes. Um, so it does make sense. Of, and, you know, Hebrews six talks about this. Correct. That's a challenging passage. If you, I think uh, with our theology of invisible church, visible church, mm-hmm. visible church being uh, those who profess faith and their children. So there are some in the visible church that are not in the invisible church, Correct. possessors of faith. I think without that, Hebrews 6 is really confusing. Yes. But with what you've just talked about, uh, that text, talk about that text a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so Hebrews 6, uh, I can read it 6, 4 through 6. It says, For it's impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, 
and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. So in a, in a vacuum, if you just proof text that and you look at it, you could, you could see where someone would get a theology of, well, it says fallen away. So there it is right there. You yep. can fall you away. Can you can have it and you can mm-hmm. fall away. Um, but remember what we talked about in the earlier chapters about how we interpret Scripture, right? Scripture always interprets Scripture. We interpret the less clear parts in line with the more clear parts. Mm-hmm. Jesus also talked a lot about this reality, that there are going to be um, people who uh, who receive— uh, think of the parable of the sower. Jesus is casting seed on different types of soil. The seed has different effects. And so— uh, he talks about the what was sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Mm. So that's from Matthew 13. Jesus also says in other places, like in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, Mm -hmm. but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So I think when we put all those passages together with Hebrews 6, we see it's really possible for you to um, gain some of the benefits of being in the gathered body of believers. Like that's what Hebrews 6 talks about, those who have been enlightened, who've Mm -hmm. tasted the heavenly gift. A lot of commentators will talk about maybe that's communion, maybe they've professed faith, and and there is— you know, something there. They've shared in the Holy Spirit in some way. They've they've heard the word preached. They've ta- So verse 5, they've tasted the goodness of the word of God, the powers of the age to come. So there is a way that you can almost um, come in and get some of the benefits. Uh, you can ex- have some of the experiences of what it means to be in the body of believers, yeah. but not truly be saved. Mm-hmm. That you, you're not experiencing those benefits as a believer is really experiencing them. Um, and it, and it doesn't mean that you are saved, which honestly is a little scary. Uh, you know, I think this is this passage, that's why this paragraph is sobering because it causes all of us to reflect and go, okay, so am I, am I saved? Am I, am I really truly, um, one who has, who's going to last to the end? Which is great because the very next chapter of the confession goes to justification. Right. To answer those questions that are stirred, maybe yes. from something like this, right? Uh, yeah, for Hebrews six, it's—I don't know the answer to it. With our theology, I understand that you can profess faith but not possess faith, visible and visible church. But the harder part of Hebrews six to me is the impossibility of restoration of that person. Yes. I think that's the harder part of that right. text. What does that mean? Right. Well, one, I don't live assuming that I know who's in the impossible category. So we seek restoration, repentance with all our heart for all. Yes. As best I can speak to that. But um, how does the world, so you talked about it goes into uh, talking about other religions. Um, Do we all, you know, polytheism, do we all get the same place or universalist? How does the world suggest that God accepts good people? And then how does the word? Yeah counter the world. Yeah. I mean, I think if you asked, if you went out with a microphone on the street and did interviews with people and asked them, you know, what do you, uh, what do you need to do 
to get to the good place when you die. Mm-hmm. Um, the average person is going to say, be a good person. Yeah. That you just, you know, most people are kind of believing that credits and debits thing of just you, you stack up your good things with your bad things. And as long as you're in the black, once those calculations are done, then you get to, you know, whatever there is after after death, you get to experience the good thing. Um and so when they look at various religions, they look and say, yeah, these are all kind of various way, various paths up the mountain, right? They're all going to the same place. You often hear people use that illustration of the blind man and the elephant, right? So various mm-hmm. religions are all blind men who have a different piece of the elephant. They've got their hand. One's got his hand on the leg. And so he says, it's, it's a tree trunk. Mm-hmm. And one's got his hand on the tail. So he's like, no, it's a whip. And one's got his, you know, hand on another part of the elephant and describing it in different ways. But all of them have a piece of the truth, but they don't have the full truth. And so the person telling this parable says, these are, this is how world religions are. Christianity has a piece of the truth. Uh, Islam has a piece of the truth. Buddhism has a piece of the truth. Uh, None of them have the whole. Uh, The problem with that parable is the person telling it knows it's an elephant. Like, right, they know what the truth is, which is that all of these religions uh, are true. And what they're assuming is that all of these, uh, is that the elephant is not going to disclose itself, which is actually what we believe about Mm, God. What if mm. the elephant talks? What if the elephant speaks to you and tells tells you who he is? Uh, We believe that God has spoken and he has revealed himself in his word uh, and, of course, in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we don't think we have a piece of the truth. We think we have the whole truth. Mm-hmm. Um, we think we have the way, the truth, and the life, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what he has said about good people is that none of us are righteous, right? None of us yeah. are following after him. None of them, us are coming to him uh, of our own free will. He has to draw us to himself. And so for the good people, quote unquote good people, uh, the unfortunate thing is none of us are good. It's yeah. none of us are good enough, right? We can't do good works to our own salvation. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say, I think, um, Tim Keller always does a really good job um, of talking about our neighbors who perhaps are Muslim or, or, uh, or who are atheists, who are good neighbors, who do yeah. things that we look and say, that's a, that's a good thing. We go back to what we've talked about in previous episodes of common grace. Yeah. God uh, you know, grants to people, we're not as utterly depraved as we could be. We're corrupted in all our parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, those people are really capable of actually doing um, good things, just not savingly good things. Right. And so the scriptures tells us that those people, apart from placing their faith in Jesus Christ, uh, cannot cannot be saved. And Paul has some things to say about this as well right. concerning people that would promote a teaching contrary to salvation through Christ alone. You want to yeah. talk about some of that? Yeah, so a few different verses. 1 Corinthians 16, If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. Our Lord come. Or uh, Galatians 1, 6 through 8, Paul says, I'm astonished that you, Galatians, are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. What I really find fascinating in that Galatians passage is that Paul says, it's completely possible an angel could show up to you. Like, I don't know, you know, like we know that's, that would be crazy to me. If someone had evidence that an angel showed up to them, like Joseph Smith and the Mormons, mm-hmm. like if that, if he really had evidence that really 
that angel showed up, handed him the uh, golden tablets and all that kind of stuff. Paul says, even if that happened, if it's different from the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are anathema to us. Mm-hmm. You are accursed. Mm-hmm. Anyone says anything different than what we heard, that what Paul passed on as a first importance, right? That Christ was risen from the dead, then you're mm-hmm. out. It's, it's not, it's actually, um, the gospel is to be so rich to us that when people try to uh, say there are other ways, it should be detestable to us yeah. um, because we know where it leads. I mean, this is, I think that's what uh, paragraph four is pointing to is um, it's leading people to hell. Mm-hmm. It's, this is not a, um, a matter of indifference or agree to disagree or, you know, different people believe different things. Like for us, it is heartbreaking when someone believes a different gospel or something else mm-hmm. because they're leading people astray. They're leading people to their death mm-hmm. and to their eternal death. Yeah. And so we have a good news that leads to life and salvation in Jesus Christ, and we want people to know that. And so that is why we can be a little testy when people are more um, preaching more of a universalism, mm-hmm. that you don't have to believe in Jesus, or there is another way, or you know, as long as you follow your particular re- religion as best as you're able, you're going to make it in the end. The reason we get fired up about that is because it's going to lead people to hell. Yeah. And we don't want people to go to hell. We want people to believe on uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's good. Uh, the the word of God, the revelation uh, is important. Uh, you mentioned the blind man and the elephant, but those two things you mentioned, revelation and incarnation, those are really substantial. Um, and they have, we have to lean on that. Yeah. What has God said? God has not said all roads lead to God as long as you right. pursue that road sincerely. Right. Uh, our discussion of the will has showed a problem with that. Yes. So... Jesus has said, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me, the real incarnate revealed Son. Um, So that leads us to evangelism. So we don't know who's elect. We don't know who's not elect. Right. This doctrine should give us a zeal to go proclaim the gospel so that those we know that don't have faith do not go to hell. Right. So. Yeah. Any closing uh, thoughts on this section 10.4? Yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned it's, it's challenging, right? It's challenging to us this idea that God would save some, but not all. Um, you know, if, if it's all up to God in the end, uh, if he is able to change hearts and save uh, and, and does do that to us, the question you often hear is, well, why doesn't he do it for everyone? Yeah. And that is a really, like, we have to own, that's a really, really difficult question. But we've said it before. I think um, we underappreciate the cost of our rebellion. We underappreciate the goodness of God's grace. Because really, the question is not, why doesn't he save all? But why does he save any? Yeah. Because this is a free gift. Remember, it's not meritorious. Salvation is not something he's offering to us based upon something he foresaw in us or anything in us. It's all of his free grace, which means he doesn't owe it to anyone. Yeah. So we can't look at him and say, you should, you ought to, you know, give this to everyone. I think we have to have the humility to remember we're the ones who got ourselves into this mess. Yeah. And he is the one at great cost to himself, freely choosing um, to save some of the ones who are actively running away and rebelling like that. 
that yeah. any of us have walked into the kingdom of God is a miracle uh, of His grace. That's right. Uh, and that He is going to save many from yeah. every tribe and every nation and every tongue. Uh, and that we're going to be around the the throne of the Lamb one day, crying, "Holy, holy, holy!" Like that, we could the story of our salvation could run from our sin to that. Yeah, that is what ought to amaze us. That's good. We should go forth with this humbly. Uh, the elect are not the elite. It's good. The chosen are not the choice. Uh, we are loved by grace uh, eternally from God. So, Amen. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Pillar and Ground. We look forward to joining together with you in future episodes.